We hear now excerpts from Psalm 139, a remarkable text, a remarkable prayer. So whether you are hearing this for the first time or hearing it again, listen fresh to what may be your prayer and our prayer as well. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works that I know very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes beheld my unformed substance. In your book were written all the days that were formed for me when none of yet none of them as yet existed. How weighty to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them. I try to count them, and they are more than the sand. I come to the end. I am still with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Holy God, I pray that you speak through me and when and where necessary in spite of me. And Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This uh, morning I'd like to preach and teach on a sermon entitled Precious and Precise, or maybe it's Precise and Precious. I didn't... I don't know. Some, uh, that could be the title, whatever you want. Precious and precise, or precise and precious. The knowledge of who God is can be unbearable. It is a lot to grasp the divine and the awesomeness of God's attributes. Awesome in the sense that when we begin to chip away at the power of an all-knowing and always-present God, we may only be able to tilt our heads to the sky and drop our chins in wonder and curiosity. And perhaps it is this wonder and curiosity that has the poet in this morning psalm twice referring to both surrender and praise. Such knowledge is too wonderful, and God's thoughts are innumerable, more than the grains of sand. But there is a hope in the psalm that is in the rising and setting of the days, in the dawn and the dusk of our lives, we might find ourselves both in this place of awe and surrender. Awe and surrender as we contemplate 
all of who God is, while yet and still we must resign ourselves to the fact that we will, we will never fully grasp the depth, the depth of what it means to be known intimately, precisely, as precious children of God, fashioned for purposes we cannot even fathom. And this is good news, not only for the confirmation class of 2018, but for all of us. All of us here and all of us who dance around this loosely choreographed life of faith and doubt, worship and praise, service and surrender. We are invited today to be both challenged and comforted by the wonder of God, the paradoxes of our theology. We will never master it all. There will never be enough books written or sermons given. So this morning, as we celebrate with the confirmation class of 2018, some who may still question, and all of us who will continue to grow and evolve, doubt and wonder, question and commit, we might celebrate with that confirmation class that they have the courage to make public the deeply personal and the deeply nonsensical and illogical presence and knowledge of God. So we celebrate, and we too join them in the ancient and future chorus of saints living and dead who spend their entire lives both enamored with and curious about the God whom they will proclaim privately and publicly. As a child, I spent many weeks in the summer with my maternal grandmother, and if there were an added uh, verse to the hymn, they'll know we are Christians by our love for my grandmother, it would have been, and they'll know we are Christians by our home decor. So her religious decor was charming, a little bit odd, and slightly curious for I, the granddaughter, who may have pondered what it all meant and what all this decor's bearing was on my own faith and theology. And during the summer, I would sleep underneath uh, this framed poster of the poem Footprints. Perhaps you are familiar with Footprints. It tells the story of a traveler and God. At times, there are two sets of footprints, the travelers and gods, but at sometimes there's only one set of footprints, gods. There was something about that framed copy of footprints that was both jarring and comforting as I think back to those weeks and summers that I spent at my grandmother's house being, narrat- being narrat- narrated about God through home decor. And admittedly, when I thought about these verses in this often quoted psalm, I thought of the police's 1983 hit, Every breath you take. Now that song is widely catchy and also eerie. It is a song written from the perspective of a possessive lover. And so when I think about both the poem Footprints and the song Every Breath You Take, I can't help but think that there is something both beautiful and unsettling about being known. Both of these themes seem somewhat distant interpretations of being known and being seen. But today's psalm offers us an intimacy of being known and seen by God and the wondrous beauty of not being able to fully understand what that means. Over the last few months, the bright and talented and sometimes groggy eighth graders seated in these first two pews have been upstairs on the fourth fourth floor to learn about God, to learn about church, and to learn about what it means to make a claim to a faith that had been affirmed on their behalf at a young age. And earlier this morning, those bright and talented, sometimes groggy eighth graders publicly professed the vows that they were born into. 
that were made on behalf of them. In the ritual of confirmation, we make public what is personal. The vows that the confirmands made a few minutes ago are the same ones that new members make and parents and the congregation make during a baptism. They are public declarations of the personal and the intimate. They are vows that probably proclaim that we are gods and we will spend our entire lives teaching about that truth and learning about that truth. We are inescapably gods. We are inescapably gods. This is the beautiful and the unsettling, the jarring and the comforting truth of the psalm. We didn't get to hear those verses in the psalm this morning that speak to the psalmist's inability to hide from God, yet we do hear of this personal God, and personal in the best way, a God who knows us and a God in whom we are never outside of her divine gaze. But even as we read the psalm, the personal, it is personal. Personal because our relationship to God is precisely and preciously complex among us as individuals, even as it is at the same time precious and precise and complex knowledge of all. God is both ours, even as God is the world's. The devotion of God to the diversity of all creation will never cease to amaze me. And the good news of the psalm is that we are inescapably gods and that we are known. This psalm reminds us that we do not know God in some abstract or distant way. We are reminded of this by the divine poetry, that the divine presence and knowledge is available to us through the experiential. Our confirmands have read scriptures, they have watched videos, they have done worksheets, and more to learn about the theology and history of the church. But the truth is, and I can say this now that they've been confirmed, is that God is not known through curriculum and content, but through compassion and covenant, through creation and crisis. We know about God through curriculum. We know, we know about God through covenant, through the unconditional and inescapable love, presence, and knowledge of God. We know who God is because we are invited to be in relationship with God. Everything in the psalm is in relation to the divine you and the human me. You, God, the all-knowing, the all-powerful creator, and me, the human who will spend all my days seeking to understand you and sometimes hiding from you. It is through this relationship of seeking even as we are sought, of speaking even as we listen, of serving even as we are served, that we begin to chip away at the attributes of God, Attributes we know not abstractly, but intimately through relationship. How do we know? We know through shared experiences, through dialogue, through observation, and ultimately through faith, through risky leaps of proclamations of hope and redemption and comfort amidst sometimes material realities that might sway us otherwise. The psalmist this morning is recounting this. The knowledge of God comes from conversation and consistency. The first six verses in this passage are in the past tense and speak to God's completed action. So often we want to be the agents in being known by God. We are the ones who seek God. We are the ones who share with God. We are the ones who observe God in action. 
But we are not the agents in the quest to be inescapably gods. We respond, yes. We follow, yes. We pray, we serve, we worship, and we do. All of these are beautiful and admirable characteristics and actions of discipleship. However, our relationship with God has less to do with do, less to do with our will and our ways, and all to do with a God who fashioned us for relationship. We are the tapestry, and she is the one who weaves us together, who hems us in intricately before and behind. She is the one who fashions us with the finest threads and weaves us with a precision and a delicacy that, once we grasp, humbles us into great silence while also filling us with shouts of praise. In God, we are both precious and precise, precious in the myriad of riches and talents that allow us to be co-collaborators in the building of a kingdom, and precious and precisely known because we are inescapably God's. And we are known not just by what we divulge to God, but by, but by what we think and what we do not yet know that we will think and do. We are precious and precise, created from the dust of the earth and from God's love. And we are invited into a lifetime of play. And he will join us in this lifelong game of hide-and-seek, as we hide from the weight of being God's beloved, yet also rest when we are found and reminded of the precious, precise, and personal proclamation that we are inescapably God's. To be inescapably God's is both a risk and a reward simultaneously. We are inescapably God's, and so we are vulnerable. That is the part that jars us. If God knows us so intimately, what can I hide? What can I not expose? We are inescapably God's, and so we are vulnerable. And in that vulnerability, there is a freedom. We are free to be imperfect, and we are free to strive for perfection. We are sinners, and we are created in the image of God and an image that he saw good. We are capable of great and mighty acts of compassion, and we are capable of great and mighty acts of evil. And wherever we are on the spectrums of righteousness or devotion, we are inescapably God's. We are inescapably God's, even as we seek the end of God's thoughts. The last pages in the words of theology, we cannot figure it all out. Yet we keep trying, we keep wondering, we keep surrendering, for we are inescapably God's. We are inescapably God's, known with a precious and precise knowledge that will frustrate and inspire us, that we will publicly proclaim and privately lament And all of it, all of it is good news. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.